welcome back. You listen to Money Talks. Garrett, you don't like that song? I played Big and Rich for you on the outro. I know, and I was loving it. I was really pumped coming back into this segment, and then oh my fault. Madonna what was that 1986 or something right there. I that don't was Phil Collins. Madonna. Bringing back Miami Vice what are you up doing, here. Doing man. <laughs> hey, do you even listen? You to only music? know that because you got the 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 screen Sound in front part. of you. All right, don't Studio. act like Everyone you listen to that. Phil Collins. On the regular. Everybody. Actually, I did see him coming in the parking lot the other day listening to something like that. Well, so he's driving know. a Testarossa, so yeah. he should be. Sure. <laughs> a Mazda Testarossa. It's the newest model. Oh, that's good stuff. Anyway, guys, all right, let's uh, take the first listener question. Ashton from Forsyth. Uh, she wrote in, I saw that Athena Health CEO is stepping down immediately. The company is open to a buyout, but also fighting off a takeover from activist firm Elliott Management. What does this mean for investors? So my opinion on what this means for investors is, first off, you're right, uh, Jonathan Bush, CEO, founder of the company, left uh, due to some questionable behavior um, in his personal life that's this come to light. Um, it's a company that is not at all new to seeing CEO t- or management turnover. They're, they've had five CFOs in four years. Um, and a lot of people speculate that that's been the driving force behind some of the hiccups the company's been facing over the last year. The stock hadn't done a whole lot until Elliott Management came out and basically said, hey, we're offering you $160 a share. We want to take you private. Uh, the stock shot up about, about 25%. Things trading right around 157 The deal price was 160 But um, I think with Jonathan Bush out now, is, is what this means is it opens it up to other offers. And I think there's Bigger companies out there that are willing to pay more than $160 a share. Um, I was reading an analyst report today, and they consider Athena not so much a healthcare company as as they do a software company. <laughs> Think electronic records management, yeah. um, anything uh, you know tech related within a hospital, a doctor's office, communicating with one another, whether that's getting you know vital signs and 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 putting that into the database. Um, Athena is an impressive company, and and I think for a while it's incredibly well run. Um, but it's time for some change. Uh, names I heard thrown out there is maybe this is a target for Microsoft or, or uh, Salesforce or someone who's looking to push further into the medical world. Um, as we talked about, you know, medical costs are increasing. Right. Um, I don't think there's going to be any decrease in demand for these types of systems. Um, so yeah. as, as a shareholder, I think right now you continue to hold. I think there's a lot of opportunity for a higher bid to come in. I've seen, you know, upwards of 170 to 175 is what some expectations are. So right now, I think you hold tight. I think the odds of, of Elliott management in the worst case scenario, um, I think they buy the company because shareholders are a little bit frustrated and not seeing that value increase over such a long period of time that at this point, they're like, if this is what it takes, we'll take 160 a share. I do think there's more value to be had. So if you are a holder right now, I'd say continue to hold. I would agree. I mean, yeah. with, with an activist like that involved, if it were the CEOs leaving and and there's not this Elliott management piece, I feel a lot differently about it. But given that you know you you got them stepping down, and, and again, it was a personal thing with him. But right. you know now that we've got we've got an activist firm like Elliott Management involved, there's clearly something attractive there. So yeah. you know, and, yeah, and, and they already value. maintain a nine percent stake in the company. And, and right. Right. So you know, I, I agree with you. Hold, see what happens. You need some more information, some more certainty around it, and. Yeah, make the decision from there. All right. Um, next, we have Ann from Powder Springs. She asked, can I have too much insurance? I was told by an advisor I should have 10 different policies and provided me the list. I wanted to get your opinion. What do you think, guys? 10, 10 insurance 10? policies? 
Well, well. <laughs> first of all, I would say, yes, you can be overinsured. I mean, some in some cases, that's hard. I mean, there's so many different lines. You know, in some of those lines, in some of those cases, it would be very hard to be overinsured. But in others, it can be very easy. Uh, and, you know, just that's kind of general. I know she, she's... Uh, asking about her individual uh, or, or specific position here. Ten policies. I think I mean, your advisor is getting overpaid if he's selling <laughs> you all these policies. Exactly. I mean, you know, the agents do earn a commission on that, and so there, there could be a small conflict of interest there. But, you know, if, if that is across the board, I mean, if we're talking homeowners, auto, life, long-term care, disability. That's true. When you think of it you from, know, from that aspect, there, there are a lot of – Yeah, and, and look – if if that's the case and you can bundle all this with one person, you'd probably get some really nice discounts for doing so. But that's not to say that that's still not excessive or uh, overinsured. I mean, I think you can certainly be overinsured. You want to keep a balance, right? You don't you don't want to be worth more dead than alive. Yeah, right. That's Isn't a that, problem. Exactly. That could be a problem. <laughs> you know. So you ever watch Dateline? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You got you, there's a balance, and you need to achieve that. And and look. Just like uh, some of the other topics we've talked about on the show today, I mean, there's no special number. You know, I don't right. think that's going to apply silver to everybody. Bullet, for sure. Right, right. You got to assess the circumstances and say, okay, and it's going to depend on the person's assets and their income, and depending on the line you're looking at, there's a, a lot of different things to consider. So, uh, you know, can you have too much insurance? Yes. Is the ten policies too much? I don't know. Potentially. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe, right. maybe not. You know, again, very personal. Exactly. So uh, I know that's a, <laughs> a general answer. It's but, another one of those depends. Man, right. I mean, look, the, the insurance, speaking generally, not about any particular line, is very, very circumstantial depending on the person, their family, their assets, their income, all of that stuff. Yeah. So uh, you really have to take a deep dive and, and is why the insurance uh, agents and, and folks make so much money doing that yeah. because there's a lot to consider. So. All right. Uh, this next question is one I find very interesting because over the past few years, it's something I've kind of kept a, a watchful eye on as lending standards have you know gotten tight and they seem to have gotten lax again. Um, but Peter and Carrie ask, can we still buy a home with no money down? And if you think back to the housing bubble, yeah, that was all too common. Yeah, right. You'd Part see. of what got us into the situation, not not the main culprit, but easy money, easy money, easy money, and. Um, while there are still circumstances in which you, you can get a home with no money down, it seems as though um, it's it's a lot more difficult to come across. Typically, it it's is. targeted towards veterans. Um, there are a few programs for, for veterans, uh, VA guarantees private loans with no down payment for qualified veterans, active duty service members, and certain members of the National Guard and Reserves. Now, they are no money down, but you also have to understand that you're going to pay a fee, which can be lumped in the mortgage. So yep. yeah. truly no money down because everything gets lumped in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fees usually going to range from one and a quarter percent to 3.3%, which depending on how big of a house you're buying, that 3.3% right. can be a significant addition added to that. And not to mention you're financing 100% of Right, the value that of that home. Well, see, that's, that's that's where the trouble came in when the crisis came right. along because it, it wasn't necessarily right. I mean, it's it was a it was a function of borrowing too much. It wasn't necessarily not putting something down up front, but in doing so, you're now borrowing more than you probably should or probably could afford, and that's where the real problem comes in because you know it, the question is, can you still buy a home with no money down? Well. Yes, maybe you can. That doesn't mean you should. Right. right. You know, this again is something where you've really got to assess 
whether or not it makes sense for you and your situation. And, you know, quite frankly, there's a lot of different things that you can come. I, I actually learned recently when a couple of years ago, actually, when uh, my wife and I sold our house, you know, we we actually got an offer for the house we were selling that was uh, about twenty thousand dollars less than what a buyer had offered us. It, it, excuse me, it appraised for right. twenty thousand less than what they offered. Well, that twenty thousand actually put us just below the twenty percent we were wanting to put down on the new house we were right. buying, mm-hmm. which really was frustrating to me because I didn't want to carry the PMI. But as it turned out, and again, I, I learned this. I'm <laughs> we we do this kind of thing for a living, and I had never come across this, but it turned out to be really beneficial because. Using my, my mortgage broker at the time advised me to use that additional percentage. You know, she said 10% down instead of 20. Use the additional because you, you're not going to save that much on your monthly payment by putting 19% down right. versus, you know, say 10%. Right, so they're going to have PMI. Right. Yeah, was, you know, I think the, the difference in the mortgage payment was $108 a month or something. And so we then took the 9% put it into the house, made improvements so that we could enjoy those benefits while we were there. It increased the value, did a reappraisal, and because of those improvements to the property, now it was worth more, which actually allowed for us to uh, get rid of the PMI pretty quickly because now we did owe less than 80%, which sure. was that magic number. So you, you think, you know, is it all, do you want to put down as much as you can? Sometimes, and you certainly maybe, don't want to do that if it's not. going to put nothing. If you're going to have nothing in the bank after that, in case of an emergency. Yeah. yeah. If exactly. it's cleaning you out, and if it's lifestyle, if it's a necessity, job move, you know, a situation where you have to have housing. Okay. Mm-hmm. But is it you're upgrading your home as yeah. a lifestyle to have a little bit bigger or nicer home? You know. Right. Those are the things you have to consider. You know, you don't want to hurt yourself long term to to get into a nicer, yeah. you know, nicer home. So. Well, and look reason I even brought that up is because I think going back to what we said a minute ago, it's very circumstantial, right? Do you always want to put down as much as you can? Well, not necessarily. Do you always want to try and borrow as much as you can and put nothing down? Well, not necessarily. I mean, there are reasons to go either way, and you really got to look at this, the situation and say, what's best for me and my family? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's more to talk about on this topic. So you hear the argument that millennials can't afford the down payment on, on a home and, you know, they're burdened with student debt. And I get that. Yeah. I understand that. Um, but if you're talking, if you just look, you know, I think the national average home price is probably, let's say, close to $300,000. Let's just make up that number, right? Yeah. And you know, have to put 3% down. Now, there's co- closing costs and all, but most of that gets lumped in with the loan, right? Mm-hmm. You can do it that way. Yeah. Um, that's $9,000. Yeah. Doesn't seem like a, a Terribly, and again, everyone's situation is different. You know, a lot of people have debt they need to pay off, and absolutely, you should pay that off before you go get yourself further into debt. Um, but it, to me, it's just like, are there that many people that are in the situation where they can't get the three percent? I mean, evidently so. Um, yeah, but think- at the same time, housing demand right now is through the roof. Yeah. I mean, they can't build them fast enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> especially here in Atlanta. I mean, I think you're. That's, you know, if you're. If you're coming to the table with three percent, you know, and it's a bidding war, you're going to be knocked out pretty That's quick. True. Obviously, That's so true. yeah. So how you know, often if you do don't, you, really... you got to have stellar credit. Yeah. If you're only going to put three percent down, because they're going to they're going to make sure they're looking at everything you've done for the right. last. Right, your rate is you know, going to be very very yeah. much uh, in, reflection, in a reflection of that. Anything you can put down is a, definitely a benefit. But yeah, I mean, for you know, a few thousand dollars, you, you can. Well, 
really get into a home. Right. And whether you go FHA or conventional, if you're not putting 20% down, you're going to you're going to own you're going to have to pay some sort of mortgage, mortgage insurance, insurance. Um, which I think they typically estimate's like 55 to $65 per $100,000 borrowed. Um, now with a conventional, once you hit 80% equity, I'm sorry, 20% equity rather, um, you can drop that PMI. Mm-hmm. That is not the case for the FHA loan. So you're going to continue to pay that, which can be costly over yeah. a 30-year term. Absolutely. It's really dependent on how long you plan on living in that home. Another thing to consider is FHA, their credit centers are, are far more lax. So if you're one of those people who got yourself into some hot water during the recession, uh, maybe you lost the home, um, you're past that period now more than likely. Now it's 2018, that seven-year period where that starts to fall off your credit. And maybe maybe you are ready to uh, – you know, and her home ownership again. So that may be a, a good option for you. Um, but to, to simply answer the, the, can I still buy a, a home with no money down? In certain cases, yes. Yeah. And I, I do want to touch base on pre-qualifying. So when you go to the bank and you, you, you start talking to lenders about what can I afford, they're going to tell you, you can afford $300,000. And <laughs> just because they say that you can afford a $300,000 home doesn't necessarily mean you should purchase a $300,000. Exactly. You know, you need to be looking at, you know, all of the liabilities that you have outstanding and, and get yourself in a comfortable situation, especially only putting 3% down on a home. Right. And they're not looking at what expenses you might have exactly. in the future. They don't know that. All they want to see is, mm-hmm. hey, let me see your balance sheet right now and your and your credit history. It's not forward looking yeah. in the sense that they can predict what? That, oh, I yeah. have a child who's sick or I have uh, health health cost. Right, HSA, your own health costs. You know, sending um, a kid to school. Or something well, like look, that. when you go from renting, there's a lot being done for you that you don't realize. You know, yeah. it's just not, it's not just the mortgage payment you're picking up when you buy a house, and that, now you got grass to cut, and you know, they're they're air conditioning, hot water. Oh heaters, yeah, definitely something's going to go out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you know, yeah, they're not going to they're not going to include that in any kind of pre qualification because yeah. they're they're trying to get you into what they can. They obviously have incentive to get you to borrow as much as as you can afford based on what the lending standards are. So don't get yourself into trouble. I would knock that, whatever that pre-qualification is, which is a great point, DJ, I'd probably knock it down 20% at, at least. least. And the, you know, you know, not to knock real estate agents, but again, that's commission based as well. So when they're going to ask you, what'd you get qualified for? Exactly. They're going to go for that higher number. Exactly. So go, go much lower account. and work your way up to that, that Highest number. That's right. Good advice, guys. Uh, this next question, I'm, I'm interested to, to hear your take on, as you both have kids, see if, if how much time you've spent here. Um, Adrian from Sandy Springs asked, I've been a fan of Dollar General for many years, but I've been watching Five Below for a while now. Is it too late to jump in? And obviously, it's a kid-friendly place. They've got oh, yeah. everything's a dollar to five dollars. Toys galore, um, and the stock has been hot, man. It's up like 55% year to date. Year to and not, date? Not, not to brag, but like we bought it 40% ago. Just saying. Really? Yeah. We own no this in our, No, we don't We brag. own this in our small mid-cap. The funny thing is we've only owned it for slightly over a month, about a month and a half. It's up 40%. So the stock has been on an absolute tear. Um, you know that what? doesn't necessarily mean it's going to continue. Why don't you go ahead and take tomorrow off? That's, that's well, impressive. You guys yeah. enjoy the rest of the show. I'll be <laughs> sacking away now. <laughs> No, that's but, great. I didn't know that. Yeah, the no earnings growth that. has been tremendous. Um, it's it's a newer company. It's only been public for about six years. They don't have near the footprint that a, a Dollar General uh, has or a Big Lots, which is all kind of in the same world there. Um, but, I, but I'm concerned with valuation. You know, it, if you were talking a month and a half, two months ago, I'd say, yeah, okay, it's worth an investment. Things at all-time highs now. Yeah. I have trouble recommending 
anything that's at an all-time high most of the time. Well, is, there, is there anything defensive about this, though? I mean, generally, when you, you're talking the Walmarts and the low-cost leaders, when we, when we see a downturn... They, they do well. And the Dollar Generals, the problem... And, in, in now's times, it does great, but it's more discretionary items. It's not like the dollar store where you sure. go buy your household goods. Yeah. You can buy cheap soap. You can yeah. buy cookingware, things like that, right? And some of the, their marketplace is not the same locations. It's you not. Go it's out, they rely heavily on, on big brand uh, anchor stores. Um, and what's the future of that? If yeah. that's where you rely on to attract your customers in, and we all know big box retailers are struggling, is that a story that continues? So I... I I would say if you hold, if you own the stock, I'd continue to hold it, but I don't think this is where you get in it. In yeah. fact, if you're trying to take a more defensive approach, like I said, a Dollar Tree is probably or Dollar General is probably better suited because they are more staple-like items in there. Yeah, yeah. and so, after a 55% increase year to date, it's probably it's hard pretty to, expensive. Yeah, hard I think it's say. around 50 times earnings. Wow. Yeah. And then you look at a company like Big Lots. I was catching flack downstairs from people who were like, oh, it's a completely different animal, which I agree with, but... It trades at like nine times earnings and is growing almost as fast. <laughs> to me, that's attractive. Nine right. times single-digit multiple yeah. on earnings. It's hard to find in this market. Yeah. I mean, may, is, may, maybe it's is that for good in, reason. Is that in the portfolio as well? Big Lots is in the small mid-cap portfolio as well. So we've got both of them. Wait, no, your portfolio is year. Wait a second. Is it at nine times earnings because of how poorly it's done lately? Um, it, it, it pulled back, but it's not. No, I don't think it's it's gotten killed you today. Jeez. All right, I won't. No. I won't take tomorrow huh. off then. Relax. You're gonna actually need to be here on Saturday <laughs> yeah, and Sunday. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. All right, guys, uh, I think we got time for one more quick question. Arnold from Woodstock asked, "What is the most tax-efficient way to take a distribution from a retirement plan?" This is all you guys. Unfortunately, that is give it to charity because then it is tax. <laughs> give free. it away. Tax-free distribution if you give to a 501c3. <laughs> Otherwise, I mean, if you're if you're taking it from a retirement plan and, and are over 59 and a half, you, you're going to pay ordinary income tax, and if you're under that, you're going to even have a penalty tax on yeah. there. So. You know, I mean, the, 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 the most tax-efficient way, I would say, I mean, if you can avoid tax altogether, which you can by taking a, a charitable distribution and, and giving it to a, an organization that is classified as a 501c3, then that would be – and you know what? How frankly, they look, don't tax you for giving to charity? <laughs> yeah, imagine that. <laughs> but honestly, you know, you'd be surprised how many uh, clients we see that because of pensions and Social Security benefits, maybe, you know, rental income or whatever other sources they have, they don't need their entire required minimum distribution right. from year to year. So in order to uh, satisfy the distribution yet not increase their, their tax liability, right. they do decide, hey, you know, we are involved with the church or whatever other uh, charitable organization they might be involved with and decide this is a good opportunity to give and do some good. Uh, with money that would otherwise just maybe put me into another bracket or uh, just cause other issues tax-wise. So uh, something to think about there because there's been quite a few people that were not aware. Absolutely. Uh, that's possible. Well, guys, I think uh, if, if you look to the week ahead, market-related, things to watch, there's really not a whole lot of big news as this was the week for that. We got some housing-related news, uh, some consumer sentiment data. Um, but all in all, uh, we'll look for you know some kind of big headline to come out. Who knows what happens these days, right? That's right. You get more news out of Europe. Um, all in all, I think next week's going to be an up week. What do you guys think? I agree. Up, oh, just like the raccoons. All right, guys, it's been a Climbing great up. show. Thanks for listening. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. 
The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.